Co-host is not here tonight. I'm going to allow my panel to introduce themselves. Starting with the lady, if you don't mind, tell us yes. who you are, your background, um, whatever you want to tell us about you. Okay, well, I'm Sharon, Sharon Edgecombe, and I am a retired police officer. I did 20 years with the Orlando Police Department. I worked in uh, various positions. Um, I did patrol operations. Um, I was a school resource officer. I was a detective in economic crimes. I was a detective in property crimes. And I ended my career um, just being uh, a master police officer at the Orlando International Airport. So I, I kind of went out you know, with ease. And that was a good thing. Dre, tell us about you, sir. So I got a total of 34 years in law enforcement. I'm currently, I retired from Charlotte, but I am still working at a local college now as a campus police officer. Um, like the young lady said, I, I did a variety of things. Did patrol, I was a detective in vice narcotics, auto theft, homicide. Um, and toward the end of my career, the last 10 years, I spent training at our uh, academy in hopes to, you know, teach some of the young people some of the things, some of the tricks we learned along the way, hopefully making them a little bit better, preparing them for what they were going to face. But when you look at policing, you you question that some days if you did what you were supposed to. But I think the beauty of it is there's always one that comes back to you that said, hey, I remember what you showed me or what you taught me. So I feel blessed to have made it as long as I have. We're glad to have you. Thank you. Nasheed. Okay. How are you? My name is Sharif Nasheed. Um, I started my career in August of 1987 in New York City. Um, worked for a police department there before going to the federal government and becoming a special agent in charge of four presidential cabinet members um, during the Clinton, Bush, Reagan, as well as the Obama administration. After that, I left the federal government and took a position as the deputy chief of police here in Washington, DC with the police department here. Then back in 90, excuse me, 2013, I returned back to the federal government and I am a um, special agent unit chief right now for anti-terrorism dignitary protection unit. Nice to have you, sir. Thank you. I want to hear about your experiences your personal experience, your professional experience. I gave each of you four questions that I would like to address. However you wanna do it, one by one, you wanna have a discussion amongst yourselves, it's fine. I'm here to listen and learn. Those are the only four questions I have for you. The rest of this, I just want you to speak to me, your truth. Okay. And that's what I'm here for. If it's true to you, then it's true. I don't have any combat. I don't have any opinion. I don't challenge any thought that you have. It's your truth. And the floor is yours. Ladies first. Should Black people desire a career in law enforcement? I say absolutely, um, because we need more of us in front of us in our communities. Um, however, you know, there has to be, uh, and in this question kind of, you know, ties in with uh, your opinion on how law enforcement 
and public interaction can be improved. It's a collaborative effort. We can't do it. You know, law enforcement can't do it alone. We have to have the the, the support of our black community. We have to have the support of the people that we look like, you know, in order to make a difference. Um, it, things have shifted. Um, and so I, I know when I was, you know, working in the Paramore area, which is, you know, what Paramore area is, um, you know, I, I was treated I mean, I was called Uncle Tom. I was called a sellout. I was called everything in the book by my own people. I was treated worse by my own people than any other race. Um, and it was difficult. Um, uh, but I still proved, you know, to the community that I was there to serve and to protect them. It was all in the way in which I handled myself in the community. And I eventually gained the respect of the community. And yes, I did have those people who came to me and said, thank you, you know, you made a difference. So, but it has to be, nowadays it has to be a collaborative effort. Dre? So, and, and you know, it follows right along with what she's saying. I, I do believe that we need to be a part of our communities. We need to be we need to be willing to join something to create it that it looks more like me. Um, when when we teach and and I think everybody here, when we're out in public and we want people to see us as law enforcement officers, we want kids to come to us and say, "Hey, you know, I want to be that way someday." And I've gone to colleges on recruiting ventures and things like that. And it was interesting because nobody would come to our table. And then when they would, they want to talk about the negative side of it. And I'm like, but to change it, you got to join it. And then you, it's just like she said, I've been called an Uncle Tom, been called everything but a child of God. And recently when we had some of the riots here in Charlotte, it was interesting because one girl walks past me and you MF. And I'm like, man, I, you know, I wonder who she's talking to. And I'm kind of laughing. And another black lady comes and apologizes. And I said, well, ma'am, I said, listen, you don't really have to apologize to me because she doesn't know my heart. She doesn't know who I am. So once you can kind of filter it out and understand where people are, I get the frustrations. I do. But until we decide to join and try to make change, we can't affect change. We got to join. We got to join it to make something happen. But, um, you know, it's interesting to be on a panel like this with other people who have gone through it because I've never had a chance to sit with others. And they say that you hear the same thing that you thought year after year. But I, I think we're we are winning some battles. We are seeing more young black males want to do it. Uh, we've got a lot of programs out there that are getting people in it, going to the colleges and we're going to HBCUs to try to get the kids involved. So I think we're going well. I hope that we're going to be able to see the change we all need. Okay, I, I concur with, with the other panel members. Um, I find that it's, it's very important to the development of this country and this nation overall for Blacks to be involved um, in law enforcement. It's one of the few bastions of, of what we have in this country where a lot of Blacks have, unfortunately, over the years have strayed away from. One, it's a great way to provide for your family. The next part is also to give an insight for others to see how well they can change the effect and the course of what happens on a daily basis in their community and throughout the country in, in a period of time. 
and also not just to get into the department, but get into all the different divisions and raise through the ranks because the leadership of these police departments is what spearheads the behavior of police officers, whether they're federal, city, or state. It is always driven by the head. If you cut the head off and it's a bad head of a snake, you change the dynamics of how things go. So if you have prejudice-minded people overseeing departments and operations, that is what is systemic across the board with the personnel that work under the rank and file. Now, when you have people that come in who look like us, our community sees us, we interact with our communities, we get our communities to understand that, listen, whether or not a person sees you in or out of uniform, one thing people see before they see anything else, they see the color of the skin. I'm a black man, a black woman. All of those that are in these positions have an opportunity to say, listen, just because we have policed in these communities this way, this is how it's going to be from now on. And it's all about taking ownership, leadership, and setting a different tone of what has been going on. So can I add to can I add something to that? And yes, um, I, I, I please forgive me if I if I uh, pronounced your name wrong. N- Nasheed. Yes. Nasheed. Yes. You're right on. You're right on point. You're right on target when it comes to um, rising in the ranks. The, mo- the the thing that I regret the most in my career is that. I failed to um, rise among the ranks. But can I tell you that we are our own worst enemy, even within the department? Um, There were um, other African-American higher ranking officials who I believe know it is not their responsibility, but it is their responsibility to make sure that there are more of us in positions, you know, where we can make a difference. Um, you know, when you're when you're up in rank, you know, what are you doing to mentor these officers and to encourage them? Because I'm telling you, even with Orlando Police Department having its very first black, you know, uh, chief of police and then the very first black female chief of police very well there wasn't there but there still was there was there, there was a lack of mentorship there was a serious lack of mentorship to the um black officers who you know and, and so you can see now that the ranks there there is just there's not enough black people in higher ranking positions and that is something that needs to change in every agency. I agree. Yes. I agree. And I'm going to tell you what happens a lot. What, what, I've, what I've observed as I went through the ranks and still deal with now, um, and like I said, having been in a major city police department and back in the federal government, a lot of times you get Blacks that get in these positions and they made it, but they're not trying to make sure everybody else make it. I'm going to call it what it is. Then it is. And then you have those who have made it, right? But what they want to do is that they're not going to rock the boat and they're just playing the political system. So again, with those mindsets, still we have to push forward to make sure that we change it. Because if you're not in a position of change, change does not happen. And what I always sought to do, because I'm a product of the Nation of Islam, very proud product of that, 
Uh, my name says it all. When you hear it, you know, well, wait a minute. That ain't just the one. Where you get that name? And I used to hear this stuff all the time, and even still now. Um, but at the same time, I make sure that any person that I meet, Black, white, or whatever, but I will say this, I pay even closer attention to Blacks because I often want them and women to make sure that they understand that there is a, a big opening for you to be there. And we have proven through history that we are some of the best leaders when we're put into position of leadership, whether we're male or female. So I always push, and I, and I try to push that agenda with the, uh, the nobles, as well as the International Association Chief of Police. Um, no matter where I've been in a position of authority, if I leave one department, I have a list of officers or agents who say, hey, Chief, can I go with you when you get over there? Right now, I'm contemplating on leaving my department now to go to another federal agency. This is no exaggeration. I have about 25 agents in my department now who tell me, if you go, can you take me with you? And of course, I can't take them all, but I always tell them this. If I can't get you where I'm at, I'll get you connected with a colleague of mine who will mentor you and, and get you through the ranks. And I always tell people it's, it's very important that you do, you know? Well, but see, you have a different mentality. You you have that where a lot of them have that barrel in the crab mentality. I'm not going to let you get but so far. And that's right. what has plagued us. Um, I mean, from where I'm from, I've seen people rise, the people that I've actually trained to a chief's position. But historically, let's be honest, whites played the good old boy system. So and they made it just on that system where we right. try to be fair and our guys aren't getting ahead. Because for one, I've seen the white boys get the, the sergeant's test and them to have all the answers. Yeah. But we didn't get that information. So how we, we can't get ahead of them. So it's, it's always going to be a struggle. And, and I commend you for stepping up and, and pulling people along the way. And, and, and it doesn't come without struggle um, because I've been ridiculed and criticized for it. But my mentality is this. Show me anywhere within the general orders. All right. Any SOPs or any regulation within the department that I violated by mentoring another person within the department who's met all the criteria to be in that position. Right. Um, as well as when I'm on panels, I've been on panels where I know before it starts, certain individuals who are on the panel prefer a particular candidate to get that next rank. Yeah. And I'm like this. I don't give a damn who you are. If I don't think you're deserving of the rank, I'm giving you exactly what you gave out in that interview and whoever is best for the job gets it. Because again, like you said, it's an old boy network or a good old boy network. And, it, and that has to be broken. And only way it's going to break again, is going to take us getting in those positions and changing those things. Right. And I even when you retire, still join on to your fraternal organizations to have your input. Because if you don't have input, it's like an election. You can't blame who gets elected if you never put yourself in a position to talk about what's going on. And I always tell pirate cops, you have just as much say-so out of the department with greater flexibility than you did when you was in the department to get certain things done, you know, and join on to your organizations and push forward to get it done. I agree. Totally agree. So, you know, we talked about the good old boy network. So I think that goes right into question number four. How does the notion of law enforcement being a family change after recent discovery of white supremacy within its rank? You know, newsflash, it's always been a good old boy network, you know, and you're you're only 
a family if you condone everything that goes on, you know, um, even as a black officer, um, meaning that, you know, you don't say anything. You see, you know, but you just you just keep your mouth shut. Sure. Um, go ahead, brother. You can go ahead of me on that one. Okay, so I like that one, right? I have been one, and, and I did my 34 years. I don't have to hide from anybody. I know who I am and whose I am. So I'm not going to, if you're doing something wrong, I don't care black, white, or whatever, I have to stand up. I accepted the job that made me stand up for those that are weak, and that's what I'm going to do. So if a police officer is wrong, I believe in stepping up to the plate. Now, granted, I understand, oh, the brotherhood, the this, the that. Listen, I can't buy into that when you're wrong. And a, a sergeant of mine told me years ago, he said, son, don't expect me to lose my job for your stupidity. If they're going to be out there like that, and, and I'm saying if we want to talk about racist groups, if there's an officer that I know has those issues, I'm the main one that's going to say something about it. And, and I'll share a recent story. There was a, a young recruit coming through the academy when I was teaching, and I kept saying, guys, he's not going to make it. He gets out, he sexually assaults a female and loses his job. I said, mm -hmm. I told y'all we should have fired that dude back then. So we have to be stronger. And, and I'm saying as a black, we have to be stronger because we know we're going to run into it. It's how we're going to respond to it. And if we don't respond, we're part of the problem. That's the way I look at it. Yeah. And, and I'm going to tell you this. Um, going through both city and federal academies, we all know we see people who we know should not even been part of gotten past the interview process. But you know, there's generations of policing where other races of people who have been allowed to get through, they wind up going through the academy, even through the academy scenarios, training and things, you see them being already in that group that you say, they're gonna give a gun and a badge to that person. Yep. And yeah. all Times many of them don't get eliminated. They continue to rise through the ranks because of their mm -hmm. affiliation and associations with persons, um, even sometimes at the chief level. Um, mm -hmm. I always say this, you know, back in the day it was called the Office of Internal Affairs. A lot of times you got to drop a dime, drop a quarter, drop a C note on them. Um, these things have to be told because if you don't, they continue. And these are the ones who are going out there harassing and making mm -hmm. law enforcement that. They're the ones who are going out there assaulting women, killing people because they were truly never fit to be in the position in the yeah. first place. Exactly. And they hide behind something that many of them are. They are policing in Black communities, Hispanic communities, people of color, and they're afraid in the communities which they're responsible for policing. Mm -hmm. You cannot be effective in a community that you're scared of the people that you're supposed to protect. Right. All right. So I often tell people you have to be very careful about that because I, I teach classes on what to do when you get stopped. And I tell Blacks, stop being confrontational because right. it's like this. I equate it to this. You don't go to, the, to the, the, the arena to fight a gladiator in the arena. That's his territory. The way to deal with a cop that is out of control or looking to be out of control so that he can do something unlawful to you behind the act of just saying, well, I gave a, a order and they failed to comply. The best way is to take all the information you can get without even allowing that cop to know that that's what's going on. 
and report it to your attorney general's office at your where you live at, your city, your state, or your county. Let them bring it all the way down to the court system and deal with the chief of police there. I, I hear people oftentimes on, online talking about ask for a supervisor. Well, come on. We know <laughs> that when you get your assignment in the morning, you got it from your supervisor. Your supervisor knows the mentality of the officers that run that sector, that patrol, that beat. They know. So if they get a call and they know that particular officer, oh, yes, yeah, atypical of him or her, that's how they respond. So for that supervisor to show up on the scene, you're not getting any help because that's right. his guy. So you have to take it beyond the rank. You have to take it beyond where the chief of police has to be responsible for his personnel and it has to be brought up where it has to be in a court of law. Historically, if we look at any changes in this country that have taken place, they don't take place on the battlefield. They take place in a legislative body. And so I tell Blacks when they get stopped, because I was stopped just the other night, and I put my dome light on in my vehicle. I have my credentials in my hand. And they walk up, and they see that. It's like, oh. And then when they read what it says, because it clearly says what it is, it's like, oh, I'm sorry, Chief. Well, yeah, what's the problem? Oh, uh, we, we, we thought you were swaying. No, I wasn't. But yeah, anyway. start stuttering. <laughs> <laughs> I say I appreciate that, but uh, so what I do, I let them get back in the car, and guess what I did? When I got home, I called and asked to speak to the watch commander. Told the watch commander that I need to speak to the chief in the morning. Sir, what's going on? I just want to report something uh, concerning one of your officers, all right? He don't know what it is, so when the chief calls me, I let him know what took place with his officers to stop me. I show up at the station the next day, and they're standing there like, oh, crap. Yeah. The regular citizen can't really do that. But what that citizen can do, again, take it to the attorney general's office and allow them to look into what's going on. You know, in Florida, you got you have your, your office of uh, Florida law enforcement. You know, what is it called? FLED? In Florida. FDLE. Yep. Let them deal with it and let it trickle down to where it needs to go. Stop yeah. trying to find the gladiator in the arena. I tell black yeah. people all the time, you are not going to win against a street cop in his territory. That's his. He knows every rule of the game. And it bothers me when I hear people telling folks, be confrontational. We yeah. can't respond the way white folks respond when they say, well, why are you stopping me? Who are you getting at? You've already set yourself up, as the officer looks at, being confrontational, yep. being compliant. So only thing he knows through the force of continuum is to allow it to keep escalating. He knows your voice is going to get louder and everything is going, well, I'm recording. So what? You yeah. record. You can record him, just click it when he puts it and put it on the board, and it's there. And I tell people this. There are several departments. Stop this other craziness about let me have your badge number and your name. His name is right there. Remember it. His badge number is irrelevant. When the call came in, they knew exactly where he stopped you because it went into into the comm center for them to know that's where it occurred and say on this date and this time. And if you get your citation from, that's what you need to take back to say that this officer had inappropriate behavior, unprofessional conduct of a police officer. There's a code of conduct that every police officer is accountable for when he's out there policing the general public. And I tell folks, take it out of the, take it out of the street, take it to the court.
Yeah, absolutely. Quit being roadside attorneys. You know, you yeah. cannot have your, your day in court on the side of the road with the police officer. You will lose. And education is key. You know, it is important for us to um, get into the communities and um, educate our people and tell them how to handle situations when they are um, coming into contact with law enforcement. And so um, one of the question, one of the questions that you posted here are all law enforcement officials bad guys? Well, we know the answer to that question. We know that, you know, that is absolutely not the case. We're not all bad guys, but because we all stand for the same thing, we fight crime, we wear the uniform, we're all viewed as being one. Um, but when 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 you're out in in the community, um, what you do make a difference. And what do I mean by that? Well, you know, I was out in a situation where um, many times, um, you know, things went wrong and it was from a law enforcement perspective. And I knew that I had to get some information to the citizen. So on my day off, I drove my POV to that person's house and I sat down with them and told them exactly step-by-step step how they need to go about filing the complaint with um, internal affairs at that time. But at that time, I didn't think hey, this person really needs to go to Florida Department of Law Enforcement. This is where it, this is the police policing the police, okay? We got to have our people to, to follow through with these complaints. That is the problem. Our people yeah. refuse to do it the right way. They refuse to follow through in the right way. And so we have to, we have to find some way to make sure that we're educating our people and letting them know, not just saying, hey, file a complaint. No, you got to sit down with them and you got to give them the roadmap because they're not going to do it on their own. They're not because they're conditioned to just accept things the way that they are. They grew up that way and it is what it is and that's how they're going to do it. And then, and then they have the mentality, um, nothing's going to happen. Nothing's gonna happen, you know. Yeah. So. Well, one of the things that that I, I like what he was saying with us teaching, and I've had a couple of conversations with different people, right? And you kind of get in this argument with people when you say, "Listen, my son is six two, right at two hundred pounds, and he's cut. He intimidates people. He's not one that goes out and talks to a lot of people. He's not gonna smile a lot. But it's not because he's an angry guy. That's just who he is. So, a female friend of mine was telling me. Why should you have to teach your child how to respond to police? Because I don't want my child to be one of those numbers. So right. I right. have to teach every day. And I've told his friends, look, guys, if you need to talk to me, come talk. So I created a program. I call it critical thinking. And it works on police just as well as public because it's just saying, I don't know what happened to you last night or this morning. I don't know how your day is going. But wouldn't it be better if I said, hey, ma'am, how are you doing today? Are you doing pretty good? The reason I stopped you. It's giving them information which allows them to make a better decision, which might, and I'm going to have to say might, take some of that confrontation out of it. When, when we have that history of, well, I don't have to tell you why I stopped you. You're looking for the fight. All right. So we need to work on 
we talk about de-escalation and all this stuff in policing, but yet we don't even try it, right? We're looking to, mm-hmm. I, I don't like this person. I'm going to create a problem and I'm going to lock them up. I'm looking for a way. I don't want to lock the person up. I'd rather talk my way out of it. If right. it's just a citation and tell them up front, hey, listen, here's what happened. You ran a stop sign back there. You're going to get a citation, but here's what you do. Come to court. I give them information in hopes that I get information. And one thing that, you know, a, a friend of mine gave me a book the other day, Cops on the Street, right? And it talks about who we are. And it made me look at things through a different light. We're the watchmen. We're, we are talked about in the Bible, but it's how do we do the job? I believe that, and this is Andre. Well, this is Dre speak. We ain't supposed to use our real names. Supposed to use our undercover names, right? But if, if we are the chosen to do what we do, if we are truly chosen to do, to do what we do and believe that I'm here because I was called to do it. Some people take it because they think they're going to make money. Some people think because they can beat up on people. But if right. you took it for the right reasons, you're going to do the right thing by this job. And, and I, I truly believe that with the bottom of my heart. We don't have as many. There are going to be some rogue, some thuggish cops out there. And when I'm teaching my class, I'll say, hey, what did Denzel Washington win his first Academy Award for? And everybody's looking around the room and they're like, John Q, this, that. They're giving him all the nice movies. But he wanted his first one was from training day. And I'm like, when he was that bad cop. But that's mm-hmm. what everybody remembers. They remember the bad, not the good. So it's sure. our turn to change the table. And I think we got a good shot at doing that. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm going to take it one step even further. One, one of the things I, I look at across the board, whether city, state, or federal policing, is that the model of policing has to change. Um, policing has not, in many ways, upgraded itself. We went into a paramilitary stance and that's where it has been. The Obama administration tried to pull that back when they stopped having all these anti-terrorism type machinery and operations of tanks and things on the streets to deal with the general public as if we were in a theater of war in a foreign country. So a lot of these departments, small and large, still operate in that mindset because many of their personnel are military people. Yeah. And they bring back the military tactics in the communities in which we are here in the United States, black communities, white communities, you name it. And they come across with that same mindset. There, in my opinion, personal and professional, there needs to be a regional training program for policing, okay? Um, in Florida, where it's done in Day County, is very different than the way it may be done going down to South Beach and in, in, in South Florida, uh, a police academy, or if you go up to Jacksonville, or if you go to Tampa, they're all slightly different. So when that happens, it gives different departments an ability to kind of stretch out a little bit how they want it to be. In the federal system, we all pretty much attend three different academies. Federal Law Enforcement Training Center in Glencoe, Georgia. That's where the majority of us are trained. There is a blueprint on how people are to be treated, regardless of who they are, and this is how it's done. And then when they go back, we go back to our prospective states and cities, this is how we continue to do it. But what happens there is that who's ever in charge of that regional office changes it slightly. There has to be a, a watch over committee, and I think that should be done at the state level to make sure that the city, the county, and the state personnel follow through on how they're doing. And then there needs to be a federal uh, 
board that oversees how policing is done. People keep talking about police reform. Police needs to be reformed where it, it policing is applicable to all the persons who are responsible for policing, like you said. Um, I keep something on my wall. It's called it's called Sir Roger Peel Principles of Law Enforcement. It was written in 1829. And if you ever read it, I tell people, if all police departments in the United States followed those principles, their non-principles of policing, we would not have the problems we have now. Because it looks at the fact that it says, we the police are the community, not that we're blue and they're whatever. We're not blue. We're the community of the people that we have been invested, charged with protecting and overseeing their safety and their well-being. Oftentimes in the academy, I don't care where you go, you're taught it's us against them. And yeah. when you hit that constantly for the X amount of months you're in the academy, you come out on the street, that's what you're looking at. It's us you against them. You buy in. You buy right? into it. So that there has to stop because it's not us against them. They're the taxpayers. They're the citizens who pay our salaries. Mm -hmm. They're the to ensure that we get our jobs. So again, if we look at certain things that have been written, and make it fair across the board for all people, a lot of this stuff will stop. But at the same time, it has to be a twofold uh, perspective. Those of color and of uh, different ethnicities and genders have to pull themselves up and get into these positions to change the way things have been done. I think right. overall policing has improved, but it still has a long way to go because again, you don't need to be using military tactics on our folks in the street. Now, it's different if you have identified a particular group that poses a threat to public safety, then that's when you deploy some more harsh or aggressive tactics. But when right. it's the average person who has had a domestic dispute at their residence, or you have a person that ran a stoplight or, or some guys hanging out on the corner, the police officer needs to understand that that's not the enemy, okay? There are folks that's dealing on a social economical level that that's where they hang out at because they don't have any place else to go because they don't have the social services or recreational centers to go to. But that mm -hmm. cop has to be taught that. He can't be taught that, yo, that's the boys on the corner, so let's go do them. Right. You know? And until that stops, and this will stop putting the old phrase out, boys on the hood. They don't need to be boys on the hood. It needs to be cops thinking about how to deal with the people that's in the neighborhood that they're responsible for policing. Yeah, well, let me ask you this, though. Don't you think we've been conditioned? I mean, if you look at, and, and I'm going to tell a story about myself, right? So my son was coming back from an AU tournament. We stop at a McDonald's. I see some motorcycles pull up. And of course, what am I thinking? White boy, skinhead. And I'm going like, hurry up, son. Hurry up. Order your food. And he's like, what, dad? Dude, hurry up and get your food so we can get out of here. And, it's, and I say this because when we hear that, Tattoos, ball head motorcycles, we automatically think bikers. Mm -hmm. Man, that guy came in, he came in McDonald's and he said, Hey, young man, how are you doing? We're with a Christian bike group. And I'm going, like, Oh my God, and I just put my foot in my mouth, right? And luckily enough, I was smart enough not to say anything stupid. Right. So sure. when, when we have, and the media, and, and believe me, I'm not, and I hate to say this, I'm not a fan of the media because the media has demonized. The mm -hmm. black male, just like he has the black police officer, right? So right. now, if that's the only thing you've been conditioned to see, how do you win? We still have to educate our kids that much more. 
It just because they're the police or every every black kid stand on the corner, he might be a, a child of circumstance. He did, like you say, he didn't have anywhere else to go or anything else to do. So we have to work harder at finding and teaching our kids there are other things to do. There are sure. places we can go. So I think that's how we got to win the battle. Um, it, it's an uphill battle because, I mean, when you look at everything going on with COVID, we're stuck in the house 90% of the time. Right. So we're we're fighting a battle that got harder with COVID, but you know, I, I'm I'm kind of at a loss because I'm trying to figure out how can I help these kids survive when this is all they see. Well, well, another way I look at it too, like you said, until we start having voices with one another and opening up our ears to find out what we are and who we are not, we continue to repeat the cycle. Mm -hmm. A lot of fear that exists comes from pure one thing, ignorance. People don't mm -hmm. know, uninformed or misinformed. So when people can sit down, like in a forum like this, and, and have all persons, like they talk about town hall meetings. Town hall meetings need to take place more frequently on all levels so that people can understand just who we are. So many things that we think we're so unalike about we're more alike than what we are, whether we're black, white, mm -hmm. or Hispanic. Mm -hmm. You know, we all need the same social and economical things to survive in this country, in this world. It's just a matter of how or what vehicle did we use to get these things that we want. So a lot of times blacks aren't exposed to certain things that whites need and Asians and, and Hispanics. Mm -hmm. We all need to sit down and be able to at the table and talk about what our differences are, what our fears are, our concerns are, and put them out. I honestly believe that the younger generation is more receptive and more open to doing that than many of us in our category and our generation, because they seem to, to associate with each other more so than we did in our past. And I'm hoping that that same mentality will spread in the, in the law enforcement arena, but also just across the country overall. Yeah. yeah. I have enjoyed y'all. You guys have answered my questions. I have been enlightened. I will say, I hear you. I hear you. I'm open to your ideas. I appreciate your truths. I have a different understanding. And I plan to have this forum. If you guys, I would love for you guys to participate again if I develop different questions or if different things come about or if there's a situation that I think needs to be spoken to directly. I appreciate that. I give each of you the opportunity to make a closing statement. What would you like to leave with me, AJ Citizen, about yourself, about policing, about community, about whatever it is you want to leave in part to me. Ms. So Karen? Yes, ma'am. So uh, first and foremost, you know, we all know that education is key. You know, you never stop learning. You know, just get knowledge. And, and also, you know, I'm just going to put it out there. You know, we, we really don't have a racial problem. We have a socioeconomic problem in our country. Um, and it is a matter of how we handle that situation. And we just need to um, 
come together as a people and um, be informed because, you know, the level of consciousness that, that our people are operating from is simply unconscious incompetence, period. And we need to be informed. And, and it is our job, you know, as law enforcement officers, um, both current and former, you know, I, I, I put myself in that wheel of still being accountable to our people, to our community, um, with educating them on how to handle themselves concerning law enforcement. And, it, you know, the education also starts when you can reach the younger generation. So it has to start somewhere. So go into the middle schools, even the elementary schools. I believe that is where we make the most impact. Um, when, when you can start at a young age and then let those kids um, go home and share that information with their families, their sisters, their brothers, their cousins, their uncles, those who are usually the ones who come into the negative contact with law enforcement. And it has to start somewhere, but we all share in that responsibility. Thank you, ma'am. I appreciate your time. And oh, thank you. Dre, what you got for me? So the thing is, I think we need people to realize who we are. Um, we're sons, fathers, um, you know, we are a part of our communities and it's frustrating at times. And, and we spoke on it earlier, how we called everything but a child of God. Uh, I am a firm believer that we have to continue to teach and I will continue to teach. Um, I, I was listening to some show and a lady said, I might not have all the tools, but there's one tool that I have and that's my voice. Um, so I use that to my advantage when I can go out and speak to kids. Um, and, and I even teach at what we call a citizens academy that we have, that we allow citizens to come in and see what police do. And we put them through some of the training I think is important, but it goes back to what Sharon was saying, the education piece. We need to continue to educate our people in whatever form it may be in. We need to get out there. We need to continue to speak and we need to sell our product to our kids or to kids in general, um, even at the college age, because now that I'm working on a college campus, I'm still having these same conversations with those kids as I would have had with my own, if my own would have been doing that. You know, it's funny because, and I might be going in a wild direction here, when you're around a kid and he smells like weed and you're like, dude, you don't smell that. And you're thinking, man, everybody smells that but him. So can I have this conversation? Yes, had that conversation with the kid. I ran into one of the um, wrestlers on our, on our college campus and he, he comes out of the car and I mean, the weed is just, the smell is pouring out. And I'm like, I said, son, don't you realize what you're doing to yourself? And think for a moment, what would happen if I went and told your coach what was going on? That same conversation I had with that kid, saw him a week later. He said, man, you know what's funny? My car broke down, don't have transportation. He says, I'm glad you ran into me that night. He said, everything happens for a reason. So we got to have these conversations. And granted, I mean, everybody says, oh, weeds, weeds on the small scale. It might be, but it leads to bigger things sometimes. So let's keep talking. Um, I love it. I'm going to keep teaching. I'm going to put more things together. And uh, hopefully I'll get a chance to come back. Absolutely. And let us know how we can support. You know, it's always reciprocated. I don't 
draw from and don't pour back into. I'm here to support whatever effort. And I appreciate that. Nasheed, yes, close us out with some wisdom. I look at it like this. And I had this, this discussion with someone the other day. As old as we may think this country is, it is the youngest organized country in the world. When you compare us to China, uh, Japan, places in Europe, it's still a baby nation. And the problems that we have here are unlike any that exist any place else. And I really don't like to look at them as problems, they're issues. We are the melting pot of the world. We have every type of ethnicity, culture here. So it's a lot more challenging for us to get things done in a young country that's also the world leading country. With that being said, I have belief that through time, but through time, there comes pain, there comes suffering of those who cannot make the adjustments. And only way you can make the adjustment, as the two panelists have already said prior to me, is that it comes through time, it comes through education. So I, I, I pray and I hope that this particular forum continues to go on because having true open dialogue and being able to sit down and strategically plan and have an action plan of how to take action on things from a more diplomatic and, and um, more proper way will lead our people into a better position than understanding versus being aggressive. So I wanna close in saying this, that I'm gonna look at the glass more full than empty, and that we've gotten this far as black people because I tell people it wasn't that long ago when we were slaves. It wasn't that long ago when we couldn't sit in the front of the bus. It wasn't that long ago that even a person in, like me and you all be, haven't been detectives in other positions or you having a show you couldn't have. But when the change come, our young youth and middle age and even older people have to be receptive and open to the change because change is gonna happen whether you're ready for it or not. I appreciate you all. I thank you. Thank you. I thank you for your time. I thank you for your wisdom, your information, and for your impartation. I receive it. I plan to do this again. I hope to have you all on. I hope to continue this conversation individually. Like I said, it's our reciprocation. If I can do anything for you, let me know. Any programs you have going on, any events you have going, anything that you have going on that you think I can learn, take from, and take back to my community, to my social network, to my activist community, I'm all here to listen because what the goal is, is change. Right, wrong, indifferent, the goal is the change. And I appreciate you all for coming on Ace Now What the Podcast. It's your girl, AJ, and my crew, Sharon, Dre, and Nasheed. And that's all for this episode. I all thank right. you all. All right. Appreciate thank it. You. Appreciate right. it. Nice meeting you guys. Nice meeting nice you guys. Look forward to the next one. Yeah. Of course, of course. Thank you. And that'll do it for Ace Now What the Podcast. It's your girl, AJ, my co-host, Lo. As always, we plan to normalize conversations.